Hey, it's your homegirl, Ronika, with the Please Do Tell podcast. And you guessed it, we are back for another series. And this one is, what's your why? So a lot of people that I've had conversations with, they would say, you know, hey, my why is my children, my grandparents, my ancestors. But there's something that happened in your life that makes you who you are. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Bernice Patterson today, and she's going to be telling us what's her why. So let's get into it. Dr. Bernice! Now, I know throughout the, so throughout this conversation, I may be saying Dr. Bernice, Dr. B., Cause you know it's how all, we are and I love me some Dr. Bernice. So we were able to connect through, especially since um, I've switched roles this year, but I want people to know who Dr. Bernice is. So we're going to actually start with you kind of introducing yourself, mm-hmm. kind of telling us a little bit about yourself. And then we're going to jump in right into your story. All up in it. Listen, the business, we going to be all up and through today. I'm not mad. Alrighty. I am here for it. Yay. So, Dr. Bernice, please tell the peoples about Dr. Bernice. Well, first of all, thank you uh, for having me. I'm humbled and honored. Um, I don't take it light when people share their vision Mm -hmm. um, and allow you to have a moment inside of that. So, thank you just for even thinking enough of me. I appreciate it beyond words. But um, who is Dr. Bernice Mm -hmm. Patterson? Well, um, I will say before anything else, I'm a child of God. Um, (laughs) Before I became... I'm a doctor and, and earned that privilege and right because this is not a check-and-go degree. Mother earned it. Um, <laughs> mother wrote a whole dissertation. I'm okay. a whole doctor. Um, I was blessed um, to be called into the ministry, so I also hold the title of elder um, within the church. Um, but outside of being an elder, of being someone who has been called to preach, um, I am a psychologist by trade, and it is something that I, I feel privileged uh, to sit in the pain of people's lives mm. and help them walk towards healing. You know, I get the the honor to see people in a state that they normally don't like to let other people see mm-hmm. um, and to be trusted to hold that and hold it as sacred space, uh, but then to get to see the celebration as they turn the corner. So I think um, as a person and as a professional, that's who I am. Um, but when the cameras are not rolling, when I'm not sitting on Zoom for the umpteenth hour for the week, no, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> talking to clients, I'm also um, the proud founder and owner of Infinity Consultation Group, where um, we provide consultation services on mental health and spirituality, mm. uh, diversity and equity and inclusion, and then just mental health and burnout prevention. Um, and I'm also the owner of a subsidiary company, um, which is a private practice, a group practice that we provide um, individual substance abuse and group and couples counseling. Um, And then to recharge Mm -hmm. and to just feel like me, I am the proud wife of Deacon Anthony Patterson and the mother of two little 85-year-old men, (laughs) um, Donovan and Grayson Patterson. So Mm -hmm. I count myself blessed um, to be chosen to do what I do. So that's how we started. That's what we do today. But you told me to come in and be at home. I told you to be you. And hello. Ma'am. So I met Dr. Bernice through um, our girl, Tasha Turner. Yes. And you were actually on a panel. And I remember I was in Missouri at the time. And I I believe it was a Facebook Live. Yes. So it was definitely during COVID. (laughs) Listen. Yeah. Because we know all about those, those virtual hangouts and come everything. on so I met you there or I met you through that or I felt like I got to know you through that and mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about your story and it was like man being a 
having a background as a pastor mm-hmm. and a therapist, it was like, what? Yes. What? So what you saying? You saying that Ma'am. people in the church can go to Come see on. somebody? Jesus and a therapist are not mutually exclusive. Oh. Like, God is not offended by your Blue Cross Blue Shield benefits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do we believe this? Like, why do we believe God is sitting on the throne? Like, oh, my God, they're using, look, oh, my me. Yeah. They're using their insurance. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, and it's so funny because I think especially within the black church, like we have all yeah. of these colloquialisms that we, we use. Like, yeah. um, you know, he's a doctor in the sick room. He's mm-hmm. a lawyer in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. He's a mighty good counselor. Yeah. Well, we've already called him a lawyer. So I would assume to say that we were not calling him a lawyer once again. We were saying he was a mental health counselor, mm-hmm. you know. So to just honor the fact that if he was nothing, he was a listener. He listened to the heart of the people. He was an advocate for self-care. He would heal people and then steal away. You know, God understands the need. And, you know, just as as a believer, knowing that my faith is not coming under indictment because I use uh, something that God put in the body. He says the body is fitly joined together with every branch supplying the need of the other. I'm a part of the body as a psychologist. Mm-hmm. So, how dare I say that God has set something here and then is going to curse me for using what he's blessed me with? So that's, that's, that's what we do with psychology and therapy. I will pray for you, make you cry, and give you biblical homework. Yes, we, that's what we do. That's what we do. So what you all don't know is that at least biweekly, Dr. Bernice and I are in a meeting together, and I usually have props, and I'm so upset. <gasps> That I didn't bring my props today. Yeah, I usually have my tambourine. Come on, my stop sign and my church fan. Come on, and now I've incorporated binoculars because <gasps> I just be wanting to tell people like I see you, when mm. you out of line. I see you. Yes, and I'm gonna call you out. Please, I see you. Please. <sighs> so that's just so. If you ever want to know like how this chemistry goes, like you probably need to come to one of our staff meetings, but. Just, just for this time, just I'm gonna have the imaginary tambourine. We can and hit it fan. though, cause you, you got know? the wrist. What? You, cause it what? don't take much. It does. It's in the. It's in the DNA. It is. It's in it there. Is. So, it yeah. is. So there is one part of the podcast that I've been itching to do. Yes. And I'm gonna do it right now before we jump into what's your why. Okay. So, <laughs> I grew up mm-hmm. not having recess from like. <gasps> Fourth through sixth grade. Why were you denied joy? We did mental math instead. So I said, any math problem, like, I got you. But it's when it comes to telling stories. That's why I talk so much about stories now. Yeah. Because I didn't have that time on the playground. Yes. To tell those stories. Come on. So I want you to really think about a story that from your childhood or Mm. even growing up that once you tell the story, people be like, I feel like I was there. Mm. I feel like I know what you're talking about. So this segment is called At the Playground. Okay. Because, again, I missed out on so many days of hearing those stories on the slide, on the swing. Oh, my I have goodness. some of my best stories from being outside and telling, you know, my friends what happened over the weekend. Because yes. you couldn't talk in class then. Pretty much. You couldn't do it. You could not. So what is one of those stories that is just like, like for me, for example, would mm-hmm. be if someone said, Dang, how did you get into storytelling? I talk about the obituaries, mm. <laughs> you know, me getting into obituaries. So I'm telling the story of how, you know, I'm at the dinner table with my grandparents and I'm reading them, those obituaries. Where now, now people are like, oh, now I get why you're the way you are. Yeah, I get it. So yeah. something happened in childhood for you to be that person, right? So what is one of those stories that you would tell at the playground? 
at the playground about yourself. Wow. That shapes who you are today. And then we're going to jump into okay. what's your why. Okay, so this is going to be embarrassing, but this is what oh, comes to yeah. my mind. She's like, that's even better. <laughs> so um, I am a Buchanan native. Shout out Bucktown. Um, and growing up, I grew up in a multi-generational house. I grew up, um, it was my grandmother, my parents, and my siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a uh, three-bedroom house is six people, two to a room. Parents in one room, my brother and sister share a room, so I share a room with my grandmother. So part of, partially explains why I've been 85 my entire life. Not to mention I have the name of a little old lady. <laughs> when I'm 76, my name will make sense. Until then. I get it. Until get then. It. We're yet waiting on the Lord. <laughs> but <laughs> so uh, my grandmother is from Florence, Mississippi. God rest mm. her soul. And my grandmother was also the mother of the church. So for her, you don't go to church looking just any kind of way. So at the ripe old age of seven and eight years old, I would have to put on full foundation under my church clothes. So I'm talking about a little girdle. A slip. A little slip. Yeah, Listen, you can't go out without the slip. Legs can't be naked. Now, Mm-mm. if you don't put these, t- they were white tights with pink hearts that every little black and brown girl in the <laughs> world <laughs> all wore those doggone tights with the leg warmers. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm sitting in church about to have a whole midlife crisis uh, personal summer mm-hmm. because my grandmother has me stacked and laid for war against the winter of the wonderful city of Buchanan, Michigan. So I grew up with this idea of like, well, this is how you get ready Mm -hmm. for church. So I started to imitate her and her friends at a very, very, very young age. So this is the way I understood the world. So I would go to kindergarten and my doggone um, (laughs) kindergarten teacher, God bless her, um, Belinda Vise will tell you to this day, I would come and sit down and speak with her. Like, Miss Vaz, you know what? You know what sounds good to eat. And she was like, what, Bernice? Child, I want some peach cobbler. And I'm five, six years old. So, like, this had been this whole thing of, like, me being this little old lady. So when I actually went and spoke in Buchanan this fall, she actually told that story. Like, she still remembered me coming on the playground to talk to her about what we needed to do about Sunday dinner and some peach cobbler. So, yeah, I've been old my entire life. I think I know who that is. Yeah, she's out of Barron Springs. She teaches in Buchanan, but she's fabulous. Is she a black lady? Yes, yeah, she is. I think she grew up with my mom. <gasps> Look at the world being yeah. small. Look at the yeah. world. Yeah, like, she has I know a daughter. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> listen, yes. listen. Yes. Yeah, because she, the last, well, my one and only time meeting her was at a tea. And she said, oh, my gosh, I was best friends with your aunt who passed mm-hmm. some years ago. And she said, wow, you look just like them, which See? was refreshing to hear because that's my dad's side of the family. Right. Which are, most of them are my ancestors now. And I'm like, wow, that was really great to that hear. That warms but the heart. Yeah. It warms the yeah. heart. Yeah. I love that. Yes. But that's my recess story <laughs> is that when you hang out with little old ladies, you act like yeah. one. And it is... <laughs> You know, yet to have deliverance happen. So, you know, it is what it is. So, you're from Buchanan. Yes. Which, um, 
<laughs> we, my friends and I were kind of talking about this the other day. We were like, we know people from Niles. We don't know a lot of black people from Buchanan. Because there's not many. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we were in a six-block radius. Like, <laughs> we all know each other. Yeah, like, you see yeah. somebody, be like, who your people? Like, yeah. I might not know you, but I know your grandmother. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So... When we think about like you, how you grew up, and then mm-hmm. being so involved in the church, and that actually playing a role in who you are today, mm-hmm. when we think about like wh- what or who made you the person that you are today, mm. what does that look like? Wow! Or can you lay that story out for us? Yeah, um, it's, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I make jokes about being old, um, but I really have had an old soul my entire life. Like, and I think it part of it lies just in my name. Mm-hmm. Um, so my whole name is Bernice Suzette Patterson. Um, and my first name comes from my paternal grandmother. Her name was Bernice, okay. um, Bernice Clark. And her name literally means bringer of victory. Um, so I was a surprise. Um, <laughs> I am the last of six Listen. children. You Ooh. know, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, I am the baby. And my mother thought I was menopause. Mm-hmm. And her doctor laughed and said, boo, you two months pregnant. That's cute, though. Do you? It was cute that you thought it was menopause. It was cute. So with the younger ones, um, everybody's initials match. So my sister's yeah. initials were KKC. My brother's was LLC. So mine, you would think, would have been BBC. It is not. So my <laughs> names um, come from my grandmother. So my first name is Bernice. Um, and my maternal grandmother, her name um, was Susie. So my middle name is Suzette. Okay. So literally as soon as I was born, my parents had to rush me to Missouri so that I could, my grandmother could meet me before she passed because she was quite ill. Mm. Um, so it seemed like even from day one, like I had been marked as um, this legacy carrier, as this person who was supposed to do this. So I remember at a very, very young age, and I could not have been older than nine, um, going to my pastor, who um, is my late um, father in the ministry, Pastor Albert Miller, and going to him and saying, how old do you have to be to be a preacher? And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he was like, well, baby, it it ain't no real set age. And I was like, okay, and just skipped away to go and play. Um, but that always stuck with me that something inside of me just knew. Um, and so though, even when I would get ready to go to bed at night, I told you I shared a room with my grandmother and I would get ready to go and pray and I would be down on my knees. Cause it's back in the day, you know, before we got bougie and laid in the bed to pray. When you actually get on your knees, you you know, a little pillow, come on, come on. And I would get down there to pray and my grandmother would be laying in bed and she don't turn down Johnny Carson so I can pray. <laughs> oh, come on. Because if your granny didn't watch Johnny, yeah. come on. I mean. So um, <laughs> she would turn down Johnny Carson so I could pray. And I would be down there. And she'd be like, baby, <laughs> you all right down there? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm still praying. Child, you pray like the Lord is hard of hearing and far away. And, you know, I was just tickled about it. But it had always just been this pool. Where when I would just be in church, something would just be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up, my mother was the choir director. My grandmother was the mother of the church. My father was um, the superintendent of Sunday school and the head deacon. Like, church was not optional. This is what you did. Yeah. Um, but there was something about when I would be in church that some, a light would just turn on. And I would just be different. I would just feel like me. Mm-hmm. So for me, it had always been this dream of, you know, man, I wonder if I'll ever be called to preach. 
Um, and then when I received the call, and, um, yeah, I hit that 100-mile dash in the other direction. Like The ignore button. Listen, yeah, I yeah. told Jesus he must have gotten the wrong email. I knew people who would be a better option. Mm-hmm. He had just mixed up the email addresses. Um, and so I spent like six years of my life just being in denial. It's okay. Don't nobody know but God. Don't nobody know but God. Um, six years just being in denial of the calling. Um, but I remember the first time that I stood in a pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the last October, last uh, Sunday in October um, in 2006. Um, and it was for the Women's Day program. And I had been invited to close out Women's Day. Mm. And I got to church, and, you know, they had given me this whole thing. And I was like, that's just not what I'm supposed to title my sermon. Like, I just knew. And I was like, it's supposed to be, is it in you? Like, I just knew, like, Gatorade, like, is it in you? Yeah. Um, and I went to church that Sunday, and I talked to my pastor, and I was like, there's such a stress of not preaching, but just standing in that pulpit. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, there's something about, like, I just know, like, it's just so sacred to stand behind that desk. And he was like, well, baby, we can set you up with the other little thing down on the floor. You ain't got to stand (laughs) up there. You You ain't got to do it. I said, no, I know I'm supposed to be up there, but it's just, it's a heaviness to it. And, Renika, I will tell you, I can still feel that feeling that day. I remember... Mm -hmm. um, you know, like every pastor, they have theme music that come on right before you because, you know, you're about to be out here for Jesus. You got theme music. Um, and our pastor's theme music was um, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And my mother asked me, what do you want the choir to sing before you get up? And me being 85, I wanted them to hit that Dr. Watts. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Um, so as they go in to singing, I began to pray. And as I stood up, I literally felt myself transformed. Like, I felt like I stood up into being a whole different person. Like, I saw differently. I heard differently. And I was like, God, you've called me mm. to do this. So it has been um, this journey of just realizing that um, no matter where I went, no matter what I did, be it school, be it leisure, the God in me would just leak out. Like, yeah. it's something that I can't, yes. I can't hide. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten comfortable with that, mm-hmm. you know, and it took a while to just be like, listen, this is I'm me. a whole Baptist preacher, <laughs> a whole one. Um, if it come up, it's coming out. Like, yes, this is a corporation. And y'all, a law, whole law firm, you saw my website. You saw what you hired. So right. here's my disclaimer. Yeah, you know, you get a point at the beginning of the PowerPoint. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. here's my preaching points. That's literally what I tell them. I'm like, this is gonna get us church dismissed on time, y'all. Mm-hmm. Here's my preaching points. But to just come to terms with that journey of um, who God was calling me to be and not shy away from it has been this journey and this blessing. So, why is? Because now we can like quickly segue into something that we haven't always talked about Mm -hmm. why mental health Mm. especially as a as a pastor or having the the background as a pastor yes why is mental health especially in the black community yeah so important for you like why did you choose that lane so i didn't choose it oh it chose you ma'am because i had plans okay okay Okay. um my goal and job (laughs) In high school, if you would ask me, like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to college for? I was going into business, marketing, and management. 
um, yes, was going to get me a little MBA, um, had planned on buying floundering businesses, fix them, and then sell them off at a profit and retire at 40. That was the plan. No way. That was the whole vision. Like well, there thank was. Thank God you didn't go there. Come on, okay. come on. There was no Jesus involved, and there was surely no <laughs> psychology involved. Uh, yeah. Because from what I was told, psychologists didn't make no money, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we're not going to school for 150 thousand years, and it's still not make no money. Yeah, we're not. Um, so that was really what I I had caught myself um, going to do. Um, but through a series of events, um, I was, um, actually sexually assaulted when I was 13 years old. Mm. Um, and, and going through that, went through this whole kind of self-hate and like just not loving myself and feeling like I'm broken goods and all of these things that are just, um, not of God, but the, the enemy will find those kind of things and sneak in and, and just tell you a lie about yourself and a lie about your God. Yeah. Well, as I'm matriculating through high school, um, and I have this plan, I'm going to, I'm about to go make this money. This is what we're going to do. Um, these young women would come to me and just begin to pour their hearts out about feeling pressured to have sex mm-hmm. or feeling um, like no one thinks I'm beautiful. My parents treat me this way. Um, and I would find myself being this listening ear and being able to pour into them. Um, and I could hear God so clearly say, this is what I've called you to do. And I'm like, oh, because oh, that's not. All right, I'm I'm old enough to know disobedience ain't going to be blessed. Mm -hmm, Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Let's go to college. We'll be a psychologist. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So we're we're, we're thinking that and we're okay with it. So then I get almost to the end of my bachelor's degree. uh, Go blue. I'm a proud um, University of Michigan Wolverine. Although we lost the other week. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Okay. But um, so I'm at the University of Michigan and we're talking about psychology but nobody's bringing up faith. Mm. And I'm like, how do you think I've survived had it not been for my faith? So then while I'm in undergraduate, um, I got pregnant. Mm. Got pregnant at 19 years old, and I was engaged um, and in a horribly toxic and unhealthy relationship. Mm. It was very um, emotionally and psychologically abusive. Um, and I ended up having a miscarriage. Okay. At the age of 19, that I literally hid from my parents. Because, again, I'm the good one. I'm the one who goes to church. Yeah. Like, you don't do this kind of stuff. Yeah. You don't drink at college. You don't, you know. My daddy yeah. thought I had a whole curfew in college. I'm like, I am six hours away, sir. What are we What are no. we doing? How are we doing? Okay. No. If you say so. If you say so. Yeah. But um, it was literally my faith is what kept me from losing my mind. Mm. Um, and it was like, how dare I tell somebody I can help you walk in healing, and I'm going to deny you the lifeblood of what I know healing to manifest as. Um, So I had, again, Bernice dreaming. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to Penn State University and had written out this, like, whole declaration to God of, like, this is what I want. And I write out my personal statement, and I send it to some of my GAs to look at it. And they tell me, they were like, this is beautiful. They ain't going to let you in. But this is beautiful. And I was like, what do you mean? They were like, they'll let you into the divinity school, but they're not going to let you into a clinical psych program. Like, this has too much Jesus in it. Mm. So fast forward, I had randomly one day sent off for a thing for Wheaton College. Just saw it on a whim. Um, Got it, threw it in the bottom of my drawer. Didn't think anything about it. And so when the cold water gets dumped on me, you Penn State's not letting you in. Um, Cleaning my drawers and I find this thing. And I'm reading through it, and it's literally like Bible in one hand and DSM in the other. And I'm like, 
Jesus, you claim you're mm-hmm. not sending me mm-hmm. out here. And so I tell God, I said, listen, I'll go if they can have a respect for science and a reverence for Jesus. Like I'm giving God, like this is your parameter. I'm telling you what's about to happen. Listen, you the Alpha and Omega, but I'm giving out instructions. I'm giving them out. Mm-hmm. And so I called the program and I get Dr. Watson on the phone and she's the chair of the program. And literally within the first five minutes, she says, our program prides itself on having a respect for science and a reverence for God. And I just was like, I guess we moving on to the middle of nowhere in Illinois. We're going to Wheaton. So it had been this journey of learning that I could love people, Mm want to see them healed, but also be able to offer them something um, that came directly out of faith and then how God sealed it. Um, that just set me on this journey that I'd never imagined because I thought I was going to go in private practice and I would just do that and be fine. Yeah. Um, it was a night I had had, just, it was just a rough night. I was homesick. Um, my boyfriend, who's not my husband, um, <laughs> was in <laughs> Detroit and I'm all the way in Illinois. My parents are in Michigan. Um, and so I go walking and I end up walking on campus and I'm sitting there and I'm just crying out to God. I'm like, God, why do you have me on this path? Like this doesn't seem like it's going to go anywhere. I don't know what you want me to do with this. Um, and Renika, as sure as I'm sitting here, he began to just show me what it was going to look like. And mm-hmm. he showed me on this stage, and it was like this lifted up stage, like um, in a sanctuary. And on one side, it was the field of psychology, and on the other side was the black church. And I stood in the middle. He said, I'm calling you to be a bridge. And I was like, I can't do something of that magnitude. These are two professions that stand at war with Mm -hmm. one another, that they don't agree. They don't believe that there's room for one another. He said, I didn't call you to do it alone. I'm just calling you to be the bridge. And it set me on this journey that, you know, I'm proud to say that, like, God did it. It wasn't me. It's not because I'm so smart. It's not because I'm so special, but it was because I chose to be obedient um, that he used me. And he continues to use me and continues to just blow my mind in the way that he shows up and shows out. So that's how we did mental health and therapy. Mm -hmm. I love you, though. I mean. You're so cute. (laughs) (laughs) So I know we've had conversations about – I want to talk a little bit about the women in your life because they are a part of your why. So we heard a little bit about your grandmother. You know, I want to hear about your mother. Oh, my God. How is she a a part of your why? Girl, you're giving me all of the tingles, all of Mm -hmm. the tingles. Um, So my mother um, is deceased at this point, Um, Mm -hmm. Barbara Jean Clark. Um, And some people might know her as Mayor Barbara Jean Clark, my my mother. Um, was the first black elected mayor in the history um, of Buchanan, Michigan, um, which first and only, (laughs) (laughs) as um, has so happened. And so I was blessed to be raised by probably one of the most gentle spirits um, in the world. My mother was one of those people, she has never met a stranger. Um, Like we could, I could bring you home today and my mother's going to hug on you and love on you like she had known you your entire life. Um, and she went like, and when she would hug you, like you knew you had been hugged, like you, yeah. you could just feel um, her love. And what was so beautiful about her is that my mother uh, 
never wanted us to dim our lights to make other people comfortable. Um, my mother had an associate's degree. She had wanted to be a nurse, uh, but she realized she was like, if she was like, I don't know if I can deal with having these babies pass away. Or if um, I knew a kid was being abused and I got to send this kid home with his yeah. parents, she was like, I'm going to go to jail. And I yeah. was like, I can see why that could not work out yeah. for you. Um, but her and my father were adamant that, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it, you know. And they told us, it was like, if we got to scrub floors to put y'all through college, that's what we'll do. Um, and so my parents, you know, committed to giving all of us our, our undergrad degree. And I'm the only one who just acted like they couldn't break up with school and just kept going. Um, but it was such a refreshing to have this safe place to land of when the world got too rough, when I felt like I couldn't do it and I couldn't achieve the things to be able to have her, um, look at me with pride in her eyes and say, baby, you're not doing it alone. We're here with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you are living on the prayers of folks who you don't even know are praying for you. Um, Still. Ma'am, ma'am. And so she just was my homie. Like, literally, she retired. Wow. She (laughs) retired from being a city worker to become a politician. I was like, ma'am, who does this? Um, But she (laughs) retired. And so her and my daddy thought they was grown and was just going to be out in the streets. And I was like, I don't know why they think that. We're not a parents. Sir. Where are you going? What are you doing? Why are you out until 8? Get some business. You know, get some business out. Get some business. So in my little undergrad brokenness, got me (laughs) some money together and bought her a cell phone. I was like, I don't like this not being able to reach you in the middle of the day. Like, this don't bless me. Um, So really, that was my my best friend, my cheerleader, my Mm -hmm. confidant. Um, you know, I tell, we tell people she was my anyway friend, mm. like no matter what happens anyway, I'm going to always be here. You yeah. know, she would always be my friend. Um, and the person who just cheered for me no matter what, and just loved me for who I was and not for what I did, you know, cause I have a lot of people who will attach themselves to me because they get excited about how I make them feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. but <laughs> they don't really know me, you know, they know of me, but they don't know me you know so it was always this beautiful thing to have this safe place to return to be known Mm -hmm. and loved in that in my faults in my shortcomings in my having a temper like my daddy that I knew it wasn't of the Lord but it came out every once in a while you know to have that was just precious um and to stand at her bedside when she transitioned you know um to have to declare before the Lord that I trust you like Mm -hmm. you just took my best friend, you just took um, the very reason I'm the woman that I am, but I still trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that that's what she would have wanted me to do, mm-hmm. to honor God even in my grief. Um, yeah, like that's, that's, that's my joy. That's, that's yeah. yeah, that's the homie. When did she become an ancestor? Wow. Um, my mother transitioned February 3rd, um, 2010 at exactly 7 p.m. completion. Wow. Um, she went home at completion. Yeah. Um, so we were blessed enough. We got married. Um, my um, wedding anniversary is two days after her and my father. So she, her and my father were married August 7th. Um, and me and my husband were married August 9th. Um, and I got to see my mother dance at my wedding, you know. And when I, t- 
sis. She got down. The two steps. Yes. Like, oh, my Lord. She, my poor daddy was wore out. He was like, can I sit down? <laughs> She's like, I've been waiting. Listen, listen. Moment. You know, um, and we tell people, because I had got married in August, and we had planned on getting pregnant right away, because me and my husband been together for eight years. It's like, listen. Him. I, I don't really need time. Right. I don't need this. Like, I'm just trying to get to know no, you. I know I've you, had bro. your social security number for the last four and a half years. <laughs> yeah. We I know, know each other. We know. I know you know you. What are we waiting on? Come on. Um, and as much as we wanted it, we heard God say not yet. Mm. Um, and we did not realize because God knew my mother was going to transition. Okay. Um, roughly six months later. Um, because she passed away from cancer. So Literally, she passed February 3rd. I got pregnant February 24th. 21 days to the day between my mother transitioning and me becoming pregnant. Um, and we always tell people that she she got to have her grandbaby for them 21 days before God released him um, to us. Because on the flip side of that, we were told we couldn't have children. Okay. So so here's this, this blessing manifested that, like, yeah. you've been healed. You are able to have children. Um, and he looks like his grandmother and he has some of her mannerisms and I'm just like, okay, Barbara Jean, I see you. Right. I see you all in your grandbaby. <laughs> I, I see you. I, I see, see you. You know, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's been a journey. It's been 11 years since my mother's been gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it still feels like she's gone on vacation and forgot to take her phone. Um, I keep waiting mm-hmm. for my phone to ring for her to be like, girl, let me tell you and be like, sis, where you been? Like. Who house we eating at? Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. So, but um, I miss my best friend. Yeah. I miss my best friend. Why is it so important for especially black folks? Cause, yes. So the beautiful thing about Dr. Bernice and um, I've gotten to know a lot of other black therapists as well, which is so cool, or therapists of color, yeah. I should say. Um, through the Center for Better Health, mm-hmm. and it's really been this hard push, especially in a predominantly black town such as Ben Harbor, Michigan, mm-hmm. to talk about mental health. And I know even from, <laughs> we'll talk about in our, I know Tracy and I will talk about, yeah, girl, on my newsfeed, I saw this. Somebody, they, I sent them the services. It's going on. I mean, they freak y'all. Let's, let's do this. Right. So what are some things or what are, or just, Cause even your story is like, mm-hmm. that would make me like, okay, I need to go see someone and kind of talk through this. Mm-hmm. Cause clearly I need some help. Right. So right. why is it so important or what, what are some things that we can say to mm-hmm. people to, to encourage them mm-hmm. to go seek a therapist, yes. a counselor, yes. somebody, and not always saying like, well, just go to your pastor. Your pastor, your pastor is overwhelmed. Mm. And your Come pastor on. is like I can even say like Pastor Maurice Mac- McAfee. He said I don't know how you got me into this work, but now I'm over here like yeah, you need to go see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was just like that's so refreshing. Like yeah. he said, you know, it's a lot of death going on in my church, and we need to see somebody. So yes. why? What can we say mm-hmm. to our peers, to our family members, to our friends, to even some strangers? Yes. Is it just telling our story, mm. or is it saying? Telling a piece of your story and then saying, like, this is what happened for me. Mm-hmm. Like, what can we do in order to get folks like, listen, you need to go see somebody. Listen, child. First of all, therapy is magical. Okay. It is everything. Mayo, everything. First of all, okay, as a therapist, um, I go to therapy every week, okay? Now, I hold 
a master's degree. I hold a, wait, let's let's start at the beginning. Please. I hold a bachelor's degree um in psychology from the University go. of Michigan. Okay. I hold a clinical psych master's degree with a focus in divinity from West I mean from Wheaton College and I hold a PhD in counseling psychology from Western Michigan University. Now, I got more degrees than a dog on thermometer. Know how to do it, know how to help other people do it. Doesn't make me immune to life. Does not make me immune to life. You know, I think we oftentimes look at pastors as if they're superheroes mm-hmm. and be like, oh, they got the Batman line to Jesus. That person puts their pants on one leg at a time the same way you do. Grief knocks on their front door the same way it knocks on yours. Depression, yeah. anxiety, it does not ignore them. If anything, it comes for them harder because they're shepherds. Yes. So yes. understand when we talk about going to therapy, we're talking about going into this place where you are allowed to be you. And I think oftentimes we think it has to be like this really big thing, like my life is falling apart. No, sometimes it's just like I need help thinking through something. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good reason to go to therapy. You can go because of the great big things have happened. It's a safe place to figure out here's this objective person who's not in the middle of it with me, who does not benefit from me deciding A or B, just somebody who can help me think through what I'm dealing with you get to do that. But more than that, I would say if I would tell people the reason to go to therapy, I would tell them it's because you're worth the disruption. You are worth the disruption of the preconceived notions that people have about who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to think and how you're supposed to feel. But if you're not willing to be the disruptor, please believe they're never going to give you permission to be the disruptor. And then after you make the decision to go ahead and disrupt these cycles, because let's be real, generational curses are real, They're but real. also means generational blessings and favor can be real. So you dealing with your stuff can set up a generational blessing of other people in your family learning to deal with them, their stuff and getting out of this, um, what happens in this house stays in Woo, this house. that part. Come on. Because what? why are we guarding trauma as if it is the crown jewels? Mm but rejecting the very thing that could set us free. Like, come on, let's, let's divorce that. Let's divorce dysfunctional thinking and dysfunctional being. So when we make the decision to be worth the disruption, then we have permission to move at a pace of grace. God is not asking you to sprint towards your healing. You know, we have this hustle mentality, this hustle culture. Find me a Bible verse where Jesus ever hustled. Please find me. I don't care. Listen, be gangster with it. Get the Septuagint out. Get Find me a, a holy and sacred text that tell me Jesus was on hustle. Jesus had three years to be on ministry, right, from 30 to 33. Jesus knew the time and the hour he would go before the cross. If anybody knew that they had a lot to get done in a short amount of time, it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yet and still, he remained in the area God sent him, and he saved those he was sent to save. Mm-hmm. We have got to divorce this idea that running ourselves ragged somehow glorifies us and it glorifies God and it glorifies people. God built the world in seven days and still gave himself a day of PTO. So who are you to really believe God is calling you into this chaotic of being? So even just sitting with somebody to get okay with taking care of yourself, to say, it's okay for me to rest. Because I can tell you, 
RJ, I want you to learn to love yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to actively love yourself. Mm -hmm. Could you really sit here and tell me you know how to do that right now? Mm. If I told you, I want you to go actively love yourself. I don't even know how to rest. Come on. So that's why I'm like, I feel like you're really talking to me. Ma'am. Ma'am. You know? So when I think about mental health, I think of therapy as worship. To me, therapy is worship because it's telling God that I value what you have given me mm-hmm. in just having this vessel. I value in what you have given me and having this mind. I mm-hmm. value in what you have given me and having these emotions. And because I value it, I will take care of it. And that means learning the ministry of no. Mm-hmm. It means the ministry of not now. Uh-huh. It means that even though God birthed an idea in you, that doesn't mean I got to chase every idea today. Some things are just meant to be seedlings and just let them grow. But you're trying to get a harvest out of something that hasn't even broken through the ground, but then you're frustrated because you're toiling and it's not working. God wants us to rest. So that's what I tell people about. That's what therapy is. Therapy is this moment to take a breath and rest and let somebody else hold the heavy stuff. You know, I work with people from all walks of life, I work with students. I work. I used to work with the little bitty babies. I don't really work with them too much anymore. Um, to CEOs and doctors and lawyers, and a common thread is, is I don't know how to rest. And so for this one hour a week, they have somebody who one they're not responsible for taking care of, mm-hmm. because oftentimes we are caregivers, yes. and we were so my Lord, into other people like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And we will take care of them and we will do all of the things. But yet and still, we struggle to let people do that for us. We don't want to ask for help because we see it as a sign of weakness and a sign of like, well, if I was stewarding everything God gave me, I can do it. God didn't ask you to do it by yourself. Jesus had 12 road dogs. Like, Make it make sense to me. Like, why do we think we got to be out here with capes on? Like, stop it. Send it to the cleaners. Let it rest. It's out of fashion. Let it go. You know? So when we give ourselves permission to just be human, my God, how healing can happen. I love what I do. Dr. Bernice, I, I, um, I invited you on here to talk about what's your why. I didn't need you reading me for filth today. <laughs> but I love you. I mean, I, I but love I'll help you, you for clean it. it up, though. You did. I'm like, but, like, oh, okay. But uh, but here's the thing. I say it, but I know I still struggle with it myself. Yeah. You know, um, later this afternoon, I will do um, a training with a law firm on, like, so what's next? Kind of this idea of, like, how are we handling transitions? Because mm-hmm. we've all been in so many transitions so um, many. over the last 19 months. Um, and I'm very transparent with them of like, I get it. I know the skill set. I teach on it. I help other people do it. That doesn't mean that I don't struggle to set boundaries with myself, you know, because we'll talk about setting boundaries with other people. But do you know how to set boundaries with you? Do you know how to tell you no to be like, sis, what we not going to do is run ourselves ragged. What we not going to do. What we not yeah. going to do. So. I understand that, and I'm thankful I have a husband and a partner who holds me accountable to being kind to his wife, mm. you know. And that's how mm. he'll ask me, he'll be like, how are you treating my wife? Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, see what had happened was? Yeah. He's like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah. how are you treating my wife? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do better. He'd be like, I appreciate <laughs> it. 
I love that. I appreciate it. Side management. I'm yeah. like, for real? Side <laughs> management? Yeah. You know? But it, 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 I think it is because I think especially when God has given us something, we're like, I don't want to waste it. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, it's like, well, God, I'm, I'm on this clock. And God said, but I'm in control of time. I've written your life from the end into the mm-hmm. beginning. So I have the date circled on the calendar of when this will manifest. Just because I show it to you right now doesn't mean I'm calling you to chase it right now. Sometimes he's just wetting your appetite because the things that God has put in you to grow and to birth out of you, you don't just get pregnant and have a baby the next day. Mm-hmm. You got to get ready to have that baby. That means there's some things you got to get prepared. There's some things you got to get out your house, some things you got to get in your house. So sometimes God is literally just wetting your appetite to just change your thinking. And so then we think about this from this mental health perspective. I get to help people change their thinking about how they look at themselves, how they look at relationships, how they look at um, how they get to show up in spaces, how they get to find their voice again. It's so all interconnected. And I get to help people find that. I'm glad there's some video with this because I can say therapy (laughs) helped me quit my job. Come on. That was um, love what I was doing. Mm -hmm. The environment was just toxic. Yes. And me realizing, like, you don't have to do this. God has given you so many talents Mm -hmm. that it's like, no, you could seriously do something else. Mm -hmm. So now it's like I went from working maybe 40, 50 hours a week Mm -hmm. to now it's like I'm working when I want to work. Yes. And that is like. Free. What? For the first time in my life, I'm like, what? I can just say that I'm not available at this time? What? And we don't have to run that past nobody. No. It's like, wow. Come on. And I have friends that'll joke with me. They'll say, you're a busy body. And you, well, busy body is it? Like, you always, always doing, doing something. something. Yeah. And yeah. I had to sit back and think, like, man, I am always doing And I'll come up with an idea. I'm like, but well, we got to work on it like now. The friend that I saw right before coming here, mm-hmm. he said, you are the only one during COVID that always felt like you had to be doing something. Mm-hmm. Where that was a time where he said, the world was sitting down and <laughs> you were over here. Well, I get to clean out this and I get to do this and I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. And he said, I don't know of you ever sitting down. Mm. So when I went to visit him in New York, it was me sitting down. Yeah. It was. And without guilt. No, without guilt. Without, without guilt. guilt. My mm. last couple of trips has been me sitting down, just processing because I am always on the go. Yeah. And it is learning that no. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that through having a therapist. I had a therapist and a life coach at the same time. Come on. Therapist, life coach, and a mentor were all saying leave. Yeah. I mean, but, how many? But isn't it strange how other people can see what's in you? Yes. And see your light and see how God can manifest it. And we sit in here want God to send receipts, backup um, plans and memos and everything else. And God is like, if you would just take a step. Please. If you would just take a step, please, I'll change your life if you trust me with it. You know, like because I've I've had to get to this idea because I I'm, I'm I'm so with you with this being self employed because um, as of um, June thirtieth of this year I'm fully self employed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I would say ninety percent self employed for the last three years, um, but I'm a hundred percent like completely self employed. But girl, come on! And what I had to realize is. 
the fear that was holding me was that I was looking at resources as though they were sources. And God had to remind me that he was my source. He was like, any job that you have, it was not because of you. It's because I allowed it. So if you think I allowed you this blessing, why do you think I would deny you something else if you're moving as I'm telling you to move, you know? And I lo- what I love about God is how strategic he is because literally your name is in rooms you've never stepped foot in. You've never stepped foot. You don't know 95% of the people in this room, but yet your name is in there being spoken well of. Mm-hmm. And God is already moving things on your behalf. And even just how I got connected with you through this program, I'm um, through the Center for Better Health. You know, I can go out looking for no job posting, like, let me see what I can find. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm straight at the house. Like, yeah. we're good. Yeah. Like, we COVID and comfortable. Right. Like, we're good. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was this reality of God put my name on the heart of someone else, you know, who then gave me a call and said, I thought of this position. I immediately thought of you. Are you interested? Wasn't no apl- application. Wasn't no interview. It was, what say ye? Do you want it or not? So mm-hmm. when I have learned to really try God at his word and say, you know, if you have all the cattle on a thousand hills, you know, I'm a king's kid. I know I wouldn't deny my children anything, yeah. you know, anything that was good and perfect. So why do I believe my father in heaven would do the same thing? So there's something freeing about being able to do that. Cause now I put the ball back in God's court. I'm like, listen, you told me to quit my job. Like I had a six figure job and God was like, quit. And I was yeah. like, who? <laughs> There's these things yeah. called bills that yeah. come every, every month, month, like clockwork. Every month. I don't have to call and see if they coming. They coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, God, are you serious? Like, is this really what you want me to do? Yeah. And now I kick myself for not moving when he first told me to move. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because God is like, you denied yourself the joy that I had for you because you wouldn't trust me. And now I have to sit with that. Cause that wasn't his fault. Cause he was like, boo, I, I had been kind of said, yeah. let's go. That was you. So yeah, it's, I hear you. And I'm so glad to hear you New Yorking and everything else yeah. and, and yeah. doing the things, but I want you yeah. to be kind to my friend. Cause I love her okay. and she good people. Okay. Take care of her. I, I do need to take care of her. Do that. I do do that. I do. There is one thing that okay. it's a random question. I'm with you. Since you said you were one of six. Yes. If someone was to ask, even your parents back then, mm-hmm. or even ask a family member now, mm-hmm. who's the wild child? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not Mother me. was too scared to get in trouble. <laughs> Mother was too scared. Wild yeah. Child, literally, and that was her nickname for a while, was Wild Child. It was my sister who you just met. Yeah. That's Wild Child. That's Nuck if you buck. That's like, a kindred spirit, I felt. You it. know. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but um, such a maternal. Like, she's being prepped to be the next matriarch of our family. Mm. Um, that is a child who would drop everything if something happens. Because um, she actually takes care of our father. Um, my father lives with us. He had a stroke this past March, so he lives um, with my sister. Okay. Um, and as much as she was the wild child, and still can wild out, she'd be like, don't nothing get old but clothes, because that's what our grandmama used to say, um, has a heart of gold. But mm-hmm. no, I I was definitely never wild. 
my, my daddy was calling. I went to Tennessee State <laughs> University my freshman year of college. Okay. My daddy was calling down there like, I called your room at 9 o'clock. Why was you not in it? Sir, I'm six hours away. <laughs> <laughs> Could you let me be great for 12 seconds? 12 seconds. Just give me 12 of them. Give me 12. So, yeah. So, <laughs> it's, it was a whole different vibe for me. Yeah. Um, but I have been the bishop since I was little. Yeah. Like, literally, my family calls me the bishop. Um, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. funny enough, as a kid, my grandmother would ask me, like, we would lay in bed and, like, she'd have a headache or something. And she'd be like, baby, go get me some water and some headache pills. Um, and I would get up and go get them. But then I got hit. But I was like, Grandma, Grandma, just let me pray for you, baby. Because I didn't want to get out the bed. It's cold. We got hardwood floors. I'm, you ain't really trying to go. I'm like, Grandma, I'm going to just lay hands yeah. on you. And she was like, you don't get your tail up. <laughs> get me some pills and some water. But, like, that's just been my spirit. Yeah. Um, and I'm blessed. Um, my baby boy is the same way. Mm. Um, you know, at, at three years old, walked up to me. Because I've, I've been in a couple of car accidents that um, have my back is, like, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I'm putting on my shoes to get ready to go to work. And little man walks up to me and just begins to lay his hands on mm. me. He's healing, healing, healing. I was like, Anthony, if you don't come get this boy for I'm up here <laughs> flipping flips at 7 in the morning. I'm yeah. just trying to go to work. Yeah. So, like, if he's like, Mom, how you doing? Like, he's 7 now. Mommy, let me pray for you. And he lays hands. And I'm just like. God, I don't know what you're doing in him, mm -hmm. but help me to steward it well. Mm. Help me to not ever dim his light um, that he chases after you. And I always tell him, like, he going to be the pastor and his brother going to be the trustee. Because um, he'd be like, hey, hey, <laughs> decency <laughs> and in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, your older brother going to be your trustee. Yeah. But, no, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to just. Being such a big family, like mm -hmm. my dad had 13 siblings. My mom had six older brothers. She was the baby and the only girl. She was a mess. She would pick fights and be like, don't let me call yeah, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> Mayo, could yeah. we not? So we have a huge family, and um, we got we have more than one wild child. But out of the six yeah. of us, okay, sister wild child. Well, I asked that because I am. So that's why I said kindred spirit. <gasps> yeah, my um, my my mom's, I would say, well, a lot of people identify my mom as their favorite cousin, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, I mean, she is pretty special. You know. But one of her favorite cousins had asked at my, my grandmother was a twin, so mm. her twin went first mm -hmm. and repassed. So, if, mm -hmm. you know, if you're black, you know all about a repass. Come on with the good potato salad. Okay. The fume rice and all of that. <laughs> like, it's a thing. It's a thing. So, that cousin had asked, okay, because my mom's name is Mildred. Okay, Mildred, who's your wild child? And there's three of us. I'm the youngest. Mm -hmm. And she looked around the table, and then she looked at me, and she said, that one. I said, <gasps> She said, I don't know what's going to come out of her mouth. I don't know what she's about to do. <laughs> she pops up places um, like I was the Carmen San Diego of everybody. You know. Yeah, I just, I love I love good surprises. Yes. So but if you're I know, always up to good trouble. I'm always up to good trouble. Yes. Right. I'm like, so yes. now that she knows that she was like, okay, that's that's clearly just my child. Yeah. Like I get it. You know. But yeah, because I am I'm deemed the which ain't for good reason. You are though. I mean But it's good trouble. It is. It's it definitely good is. I need to know, since we are wrapping things up, mm -hmm. what are some takeaways for us? Like what are some things that you want us mm -hmm. to just really hold on to? Yeah. I mean, you said so much good stuff. Bless so much heart. good stuff. Bless so if there's like some 
<laughs> we'll joke and say Jerry Springer's final thoughts. Come but, on. You know, it's kind of not. But um, what are some of the things that you want to walk away from after this conversation? What do you want us to walk away with? Um, well, I think one thing is when, when you're finding your why, mm. find your purpose. Because your purpose will align with the why, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it is because I'm in purpose um, that I'm able to do this with joy and with laughter and yeah. with energy. Yeah. Um, you know, we could have did this at 2 o'clock in the morning and I would have gave you the same, like, look, let's, same. let's be out and be about it. Um, but be in purpose for your why because it makes your why lighter. Because mm. um, whys are heavy, <laughs> you know. Your why is heavy. Your purpose is heavy. But when we are in those, when we are in alignment, you know, he says, take my yoke upon you mm-hmm. and learn of me, you know. So when you when you allow him to carry that, it, it's a game changer. But then with mental health, and I'm talking to my saints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm listen, not going to spill this. Talk. Listen, listen, we have got to be delivered from this idea that God is unpleased with us for asking for help. We have got to be delivered from that. You know, God wants his best for you, mm-hmm. you know. And in that, I believe that he wants you whole mind, body, and spirit. And you'll go to your medical doctor. Mm-hmm. But did you know if you went to your mental health doctor, some of the stuff you go to your medical doctor would dry up. And you wouldn't have some of the medical problems that you currently have. Because not to be extra technical, African-Americans are disproportionately infected by diabetes and high blood pressure. Not because our diets are different. Americans eat like crap. Let's just be real. Mm -hmm. We all do. But because of the stressors that we deal with living in a systemically racist society and the weights that we carry as being black and brown people, we are disproportionately impacted because our mental health struggles. And we have this culture of crying is weakness. That somehow as a man, you magically don't have tear ducts as if God somehow forgot to install them. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have got to be delivered from this idea that it is an indictment of our faith um, to ask for mental health help. Um, And then lastly, you're worth the disruption. That's so good. You're worth it. You're worth it. If nobody else ever tells you, if nobody ever looks you in your eye and tells you that you are called for greatness and are worth breaking these generational curses, breaking these dysfunctional cycles, today you are being told, I don't care what your name is, I don't care where you're coming from, I don't care if you are sitting in the midst of chaos right now with tears running down your face, wishing everything would just stop. You are valuable and you are worth the disruption. So, you know, I ain't got nothing else to say. (laughs) Nothing other than thank you. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Oh, like I've been so looking forward to this ever since you said yes. Oh, my goodness. I've been looking forward to it. It's on my calendar. I got like, I had three reminders this week. Yes. Yes. You get to hang with the boo this week. Yes. I told my friend, I said, I get to talk to a black doctor today. And he was like, do you know her? I was like, yeah, that makes it even better. Like, Aww. I know her, I know her. So. Well, you inspire me. And I just, I want to I wanna pour into you before we get out of here. God has called you to such greatness. And thank you for trusting him with your gifts. 
because I know it is not easy. I know it is times that you walk alone. There are times mm-hmm. that people look at you and they think that you think you are better than you, than everybody else. They, mm-hmm. How dare this little brown girl from the inner city mm-hmm. have dreams of this caliber? I want you to know God says dream bigger. If it does not make you uncomfortable, you are yet dreaming too small. What he has for you, you cannot wrap your mind around. Were you on three-way with one of my friends mm. yesterday? Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Because she said Cause right my now. right ear got the tingling. So I said, oh, well, we'll we'll drop a word before we get out of here with the people. She said, Ranika, you're comfortable. Mm. Mm. Ranika, you're comfortable. Come on. She said, it's time for you to be uncomfortable. Mm. She said, you're like, oh, I got my house. I got this. She was like, no, you're comfortable because mm. you're still unhappy. Come on. You're not you're not going towards what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. Do you know how I ran from even starting this series? Come on. Because I'm like, oh, I got other stuff to do. Denying people of what's on the other side. I may be a part of their healing. Come on. Because. Mm. Somebody's breakthrough is tied to your obedience. And that's for all of us. Yes. Somebody's breakthrough is tied to your obedience. And I tell people, don't keep my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Don't keep it. I've been praying and toiling. Yeah. Fasting and praying. Yeah. Don't keep my stuff. Don't keep my stuff. So I just wanted to drop that because the right ear got to tingling. And I said, oh. And he said, nah, I I can do it after the cameras. He was like, no, "No, she needs to hear it now. I said, well, let's go. So. That's it. That's all I got. Well, thank you. I know we're going to talk some more. You know, because we family. Yeah. But you got my real cell phone. I do. Come on. (laughs) Not the Google voice. Listen. (laughs) The Grasshopper 800 number. Okay. That's what people have. (laughs) Everybody can't have a real one. Everybody can't have a sprint. You can't direct. You can't direct. Listen. Listen. Yes. You got to find other ways. You got my real number. Come on. You got mine. Yeah. Okay. So this wraps up this episode of the Please Do Tell podcast with Dr. Bernice Patterson. So we will see you next time for this series of What's Your Why? with your homegirl, Ronika, and the Please Do Tell podcast. See you later.